you know, we've talked, you know, quite a bit the last few weeks about uh, the White Sox overall salary at the moment and where they sit uh, underneath what we know to be the uh, current, or at least at the end of the current CBA, uh, where they sit underneath the uh, first threshold of the competitive uh, competitive balance tax. Um, And because of the holes that need to be filled, which we have already seen uh, most of the uh, top free agent second baseman go off the board, actually all of them. There really isn't a great option as far as free agents go, but the White Sox have some holes to fill. You know, uh, what do you think the chances are of a guy like Carlos Perez backing up a one Yasmani Grandal next season? Well, I mean, we've seen what we got out of the other two guys who were there this season, uh, being Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala. And um, what you're seeing is that neither one of them has both sides of the coin. Um, you know, being offense and defense is that, uh, Zach Collins, you know, we've talked about this many times before that he seems like, and this is the the case for the minor leagues as well, is that you need those at bats to stack up before you really start to see the value in a guy like Zach Collins with his kind of eye. Because in sporadic at-bats where he's not getting into the flow of things, uh, his skill set is not properly used because he's a high OBP guy. And in order for him to get comfortable in that kind of a scenario is that he needs to have constant at-bats. And he's not getting that here, and he's never going to get that here because he's not the number one catcher. And he kind of, he didn't mature fast enough in the minors. And uh, when he got brought up, he did not establish himself when he came up. And that led to, uh, you know, Yasmani Grandal being a free agent. And it was a huge upgrade for the White Sox, you know, to pick up Yasmani. So, it, it was a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned for uh, one of those kind of positions where if you're going to be able to get the top-tier guy and be able to get him for a, uh, a reasonable contract, it made sense, and they went out and did that. And so I'm kind of uh, – and, and then, you know, obviously Sebi, you know, he hasn't had a – he hasn't like really put up any offensive numbers since 2018. It's like he hit a uh, hit kind of a wall and um, he never pretty much progressed above it. I mean, you saw what he can do when he's really locked in, you know, when, when you saw that three home run game this year is that you see that the guy has thunder in the stick, you know, when, He's locked in. The problem is, is that he hasn't been locked in for three years, and um, I don't. I to be honest, there's there's a lot of swing and miss in that bat. Unfortunately, you know he's 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 fairly decent uh, defensively. Um, there are upgrades, obviously, that you know, um, working up with the major league staff that 
he could improve, and I think that he would get a lot better. But I don't see that the uh, the offensive numbers are going to be enough to keep him afloat in that position. Um, now, you look and you see what Carlos Perez is doing this year in A, where he's putting the team on his back sometimes and you know, hitting home runs, hitting doubles. He can run a little bit, um, keeping a high average, high OBP. I would not be surprised if that's who ends up being your backup catcher next year and at a league minimum Uh, salary. Right. And now to your point, and I don't disagree with that, and that was the reason I asked, is because I do honestly believe that maybe a jump to the AAA roster for him is not necessarily a bad thing, being that it's very possible he could be up with the White Sox organization sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh or I should say the MLB club anyway. Uh, but my other question, my next question is, though, is now you talked about Debbie Zavala, Zach Collins. Uh, you know, we have seen the struggle that these guys have gone through because they're not playing every day. And such would be the case if uh, he was able to, you know, if, if he was able to come up and do the same thing, he would be a backup catcher yet again. And not get the same kind of reps, unless, of course, you know, Yaz has a uh, a year like he did last year, where he's you know banged up. But you know, we're kind of hoping that that's not the case. So he's got some time to get some rest and you know get himself healthy. And he did look better uh, the second half of the season when he came back after his injuries. But uh, you know, uh, my question to you, I guess, is: Do you think that he falls off? the same way that these other guys fell off when they were relegated to a backup role with less reps? Um, I don't think so, uh, just because he uh, is a better contact hitter. And that was one of the knocks on uh, Zach Collins right off the bat, as they said he had an arm bar swing and that uh, there was a lot of swing and miss. Um, but there there is prodigious power in his bat. However, the average, you know, as much as anybody wants to poo-poo batting average, is that, uh, you know, one thing that the batting average does say is that the amount of contact that somebody's going to make. You know, I mean, BABIP, you know, whatever, you know, there's going to generally a guy who hits for a lot of contact is going to have a better batting average, better on base percentage for the most part, except for in, you know, like unique circumstances like uh Yasmani Grandel's, you know, first couple of months uh with the with the Sox this year. But um basically my th- my thinking on the whole thing is that uh probably what's gonna end up happening is Perez will be put on the triple A, which will negate the need for the Rule Five uh forty man designation for uh for right now he'll probably end up starting in triple a is my guess and they'll probably end up signing some uh some uh basic you know backup catcher for you know a million bucks or something um and then they'll probably bump carlos perez up in like say july or something like that is is my guess assuming that he does hit well in charlotte which he i don't see there's any way that he's not going to so my guess is that uh zach collins will end up being uh in charlotte with carlos perez they'll probably split time 
uh, at uh, at catcher and first base and DH is my guess. And um, Collins has one option left, and Sebi Zavala, I believe, has no options left. Um, so it's entirely possible that maybe he starts as the backup in uh, major leagues, possibly, um, because they did it this year, so I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be comfortable having him up with the major league club just to spell that time for Yaz to get like a day off here and there. But I see Collins down in AAA probably with Perez, and then when Perez is ready in, say, June, July, when they feel that he's had enough time against the you know the advanced uh, attacks of a AAA pitching staff, then he comes up to the majors Sebi goes down is my guess and then uh that's uh that's what we're looking at that's my guess you know i mean i could be off but i mean it seems like uh the logical progression for me knowing that we've seen what we're getting out of out of these guys i would not also be surprised if collins is just traded and he's gone by this time and they end up uh bringing up somebody else to fill in time in AAA with Perez. We'll see, though. You know, uh, we did uh, pick up uh, another catcher. I don't know if we, I don't know if it was a one year deal that we picked him up, but he was like, uh, basically looked like uh, another version of uh, Yermin Mercedes. Um, big dude that hits uh, tanks. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I think we got him from Tampa Bay, if I remember correctly. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So that's that's what I'm thinking. I f- I feel like it was Atlanta, but maybe I'm. No, that was the outfielder. That was uh, Tyler Nesloni. Um, oh, maybe that's why I'm confusing them with. I know we got somebody from their system. Recently. Yeah. Okay. Let's see here. All right. <clears throat> Let's look here. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Need to go back and look at uh, get the White Sox media releases. Yeah, I'm looking up the uh, thing we, right uh, now. We still have the archives, don't we? Um, of what? Of which one? The media releases, the archives of the media releases for uh, for the moves. I mean, you can probably find it just about anywhere these days, but uh, we had that that link for uh, for yeah. uh, the writers. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm sure we have it. Uh, I do not remember what it is though. Uh, Davy Gruyan. That was the guy I was thinking of. Davy Gruyan, and we did get him from. Uh... Oh, wait a second. He was with the Durham Bulls. Yeah, we got him from... I'm almost positive we got him from the Durham Bulls. Uh, I think he started the season with the Mets and then went to Tampa Bay, and then we picked him up after uh, we got him from Tampa. But anyway, um, yeah. So um, that's that's my guess as to what's going to end up happening because I don't... uh, You saw um, during spring training that... uh, TLR was talking about Carlos Perez and how he definitely has a, a future in the majors. And, um, you know, uh, speaking of, there he goes. There he goes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So you saw, you know, he's, he's running over there to go grab Carlos and bring him up to, uh, 
to spring training, hopefully at some point. Um, God, I love that. <laughs> I love that animation so much. It's just, oh lord, I, I it never gets old, man. No, it doesn't. It never I, gets old. Every time I TLR see it, it makes me laugh. Dug out to go save his guys. <laughs> Hold me back. Uh, yeah. Hold me back. He's going to go sort out the catcher for the other team. Um, so I would say uh, let's go ahead and uh, grade out these catchers. Um, so uh, Zach Collins. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that he gets a D minus, uh, very close to failing. Uh, he did have a, a couple of hits and a couple of uh, – Good spots, but, um, you know, whether it be due to his skill set or the lack of uh, consistent play and um, just the basically the way he's been handled, which, you know, you could say one way or the other, um, whether it's, you know, fair or unfair or whatever, um, at a certain point, you have to seize your opportunity. And um, unfortunately, it just it has uh, been eluding uh, one Zach Collins. Um, I'm just not uh, feeling, uh, you know, and I, and I was one of those guys that was in, in Zach Collins, um, you know, in his court. You know, I was hoping that uh, he was going to, uh, to show that he could, um, you know, at least uh, – produce uh something of value and um it just it it did not uh did not go well um what's your feeling on that um i'm probably similar grade and a higher d D, uh, like a d maybe just a regular d um i like what you said about like it it could just be because of the way he was like they had to play him not playing every day but at some point you a player should realize what kind of what what they're going to be for a team and figure just try to figure out it's like uh in the nba there was a lot of centers specifically that were being drafted who kind of were one of the best players out of their class but kind of fizzled out once they got to the nba because that's no longer the kind of game that's being played similar with zach collins if he's not if he's not going to be a starter that he's probably was used to in college and growing up, and he's got to figure how how can how can his skill set uh, adjust to the rest of the team and what he's going to be doing. And obviously, it didn't quite work out yet. Yeah, uh, I I'm, I'm going to agree with a lot of what Xavier said there. I think uh, you know adjusting to becoming a bench player is. Uh, probably difficult for a lot of guys uh coming up and you look at zach collins and you think well here's a guy who's been up and down a few times over the last couple of years and you know there was a time like we all thought just like you were saying a little while ago elon uh ian it, it uh you know you and many of others of us had were were in his uh in his camp and we're pulling for him because uh you know we've been hearing so much about his skill set but you know, the thing is, is uh, he was pretty much known for his bat. There were some times where we thought maybe the defense would be a little bit better. It hadn't proved over the years, but this year is offensive or defensively was pretty atrocious. Uh, you know, he has gotten better at calling a game, but still not great. 
Uh, his framing has gotten a little bit better. Still not great. Um, and that was something that I they talked a little bit about him, you know, early on in his minor league career. So uh, we didn't get what we expected. I'll go ahead and give him the D instead of the D minus just because, well, let me change that. I'm going to give him a D, not the D. <laughs> uh, hey, now. Uh, oh. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him a D uh, just because, uh, you know, his eye does seem to uh, kind of show up, and he does draw some walks. But unfortunately, that eye has also gotten him into some uh, deep counts where, uh, you know, he doesn't protect. He should. So, yeah, uh, he know, does. He, he does have some of those. Uh, he has some of those Moncada strikeouts, you know, from, uh, you know, where he's just being a little bit too passive. And, uh, you know, regardless of whether they're strikes or not, this is why I gave him a D minus is because you are given the opportunity. You have to take that opportunity and do something with it. And I don't see that when, especially when you're referencing things like those at bats where he's at three, two and he watches either a fastball right down the heart of the plate, or he doesn't swing at a pitch, which is like an inch outside. And you just can't, you know, when, when you are fighting for your career, essentially, you cannot watch those pitches go by. And, um, right. and as a catcher, it makes it even worse, I guess. Yeah. So you're right. He's, you know, here's a guy who sees how better than anybody, how an umpire is calling a game. And, uh, you know, you're letting those ones that uh, are just out of the zone and, you know, he's more often than not, he's right on those pitches. But he also has to know, as as a catcher especially, that you have to protect in those situations, and he just doesn't. He's, his passiveness is uh, at least something to be desired. Yeah, it hurts my sure. feelings to say that. You know, I don't want to say that, that that that's where I'm at with him at this point. And, you know, all the people on social media who always hated him, you know, well, okay, fine. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. That's fine. I thought he had a skill set. It hasn't translated, and I think that a lot of that has to do with uh, lack of playing time. But in the end, life is, you know, what you make of it sometimes, and he has not, you know, used those opportunities to his uh, to his to his advantage. So um, it's unfortunate, but that's uh, yep. that's where I'm at. Uh, so Sebi Zavala, um, I will say. Uh, for him, for what I expected out of Sebi Zavala, I will give him a C minus, and I will give him that C minus, knowing that I didn't expect anything out of Sebi Zavala. Um, I I mean, and Sebi's a great he's a great guy, um, really decent guy. Uh, he has s- some skills, however. Uh, I never expected him to uh, to do really anything, and he did have a couple of uh, he had some big things. You know, first player in Major League Baseball to hit three his first three home runs all in the same game. Big deal, you know. It was it was it was uh, you know like they're still tweeting about it now, you know, like they just tweeted about it the other day, and everybody uh, everybody flooded the 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 tweet and responded, you know negatively why are you tweeting about this bum you know blah 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 and <laughs> you know i i even said to one guy i was like okay well you know like 
I get it that you're not happy that they haven't signed anybody, but like he's an okay dude and what he did was fun. Like what's you know, like what's it the problem? It was a with heck that? of a game. It was, it was you know a lot of fun to watch. I remember watching it. I remember the excitement that came from the booth that night. Uh I remember the excitement that uh you know if you turn on any one of the uh the sports stations that were you know the White Sox were not ignored that night. By it was ESPN. interesting, and they lost that game. Right. Yeah, I, I was just about to say, it hurts that they <laughs> all of that, and they still Yeah, lose. well, you know, fine, but, you know, he was everywhere, you know, just like your mean was everywhere, um, which I guess I should probably include him in, in this conversation. I didn't even think about that, even though he didn't uh, really catch a whole lot. Um, I think he only caught for a couple of innings, if I remember correctly. But, um, you know... Sebi came up, and you know everybody's uh, everybody's assessment of Sebi Zavala was that he was a defensive first catcher. And um, after watching him as the backup, um, and you know I watch a fair amount of minor league baseball, I will say that I was let down by his defense when he was the backup catcher uh, this year. I was expecting better. Um, It was not, uh, it was certainly not what you would think of when you were thinking of a defense first catcher. And it became fairly apparent um, to most people that the reason why he's known as a defensive first catcher is because he doesn't hit. It's not because he's a good fielder. Um, and I, you know, yeah. I've I've watched him throughout the minors for like four years, five years now uh, with the White Sox. Uh, ever since the, you know, ever since I've been able to see him play, uh, which was uh, sporadically, uh, I think sporadically with Canapolis, if I, I remember, yeah, sporadically with Canapolis, and then with the Dash when he was finally at a place that had cameras. Um, yeah, uh, I was uh, I was not happy about uh, about what I saw. You know, I was expecting uh, a little bit more out of him defensively, and um, you know, he showed he's got uh, basically uh, more or less the same arm as Collins has. Uh, Collins has a slightly faster pop time, if I remember correctly. Um, but you know, as we saw, you know, even with you know. Uh, Yasmani out there is that if nobody's holding anybody on it really doesn't matter what your pop time is so now here's the thing about that is if you're if you know your pitchers aren't going to hold anybody on and you can pretty much just let people run around on you don't you think your focus would be better uh, better spent on uh, you know stopping the ball I mean the amount of pass balls that Seve gave up this year was maddening I don't remember seeing that many pass balls in a single season, and Sebi did it as a part-time player. Tyler Flowers did it. Oh, okay, you're right. Flo <laughs> was. I stand corrected. As soon yeah. as you said Flowers, he I was, was like, Ooh, yeah, okay. he was terrible with the White Sox, and then he yeah, goes to Atlanta right. and he turns into a uh, defensive first catcher, an actual defensive first catcher. Uh, yeah, but, and how yeah, much of that just speaks to the uh, to the development of catchers in the White Sox organization? Well, see, that's because the thing. Now, yeah, if you talk, you look at these guys. We were they, we had a few catchers come through the system in the last, I don't know, six years or so. Navias as well. Were, yeah. They were they were touted as really good catchers. 
expected to be uh, at least, at the very least, serviceable major leaguers. And not a one of them has really uh, panned out to be anything. Yeah, well, there was a uh, Omar Narvaez uh, when he was in Milwaukee with uh, with Jerry Naren, who now works for the White Sox. Um, he said that uh, he learned all sorts of things up there that with the White Sox he had no idea even existed as as things that you would do. And uh, after he said that, it really put a microscope on the White Sox for their catcher development. And that makes me wonder, is that how Jerry Naren ended up with the White Sox is due to those comments and seeing that uh, Omar Narvaez turned into a serviceable catcher when he went to uh, Milwaukee. So it's just a minor talking point there. Anyway, uh, Xavier, what are you thinking uh, for us, uh, Sebi grade? I like the way that you put it, the way how you said you didn't expect much of him. So that's kind of how you base your grade and saying like, oh, overall, looking at the stats, probably a pretty poor grade. But if you think of him doing nothing all season, then the average, he did more than you expected. So uh, D plus, C minus is, I think, is fair. Uh, Towards the end, he was just striking out a ton and there was just not nothing there. So. Uh, that's where I stand with uh, Sebi. Man, uh, yeah. He so uh, Mark chimed in and said he has uh, eight, he had eight pass balls. So, I mean, it, also you know, pass balls are a subjective call of what you're calling a yeah, wild pitch and what you're a wild pitch. Yeah, exactly. Right. What you're calling a wild pitch and what you're calling a pass ball. So that whole thing uh is subjective to the uh to the scorer and um you know that's uh it could be more, could be less, you know. I would tend I to either here nor there. It, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't great. It wasn't a great showing either way. Yeah. Uh my grade I'm going to go I'm going to go a full grade lower than both of you guys just because you know, maybe I did have a little expectation out of the guy who is going to back up one of the best catchers in the game. And, uh, you know, maybe this maybe this grade falls a little bit more in the White Sox front office for not providing us with a uh, a decent uh, backup catcher in the in the event that, you know, a Yasmani Dandal goes down for an extended period of time or plays through injuries even without going on the IR uh, or the, whatever you want to call it, the IL. Uh, you know, so I'm going to go full grade down to a D just because I did expect more from a defense first catcher. And unfortunately, I did not see anything that suggested anything whatsoever that he was a defensive catcher. That's fair. Uh, you know, I can't, uh, you know, like I said, the only reason that I did it was because I didn't, you know, I've watched him and I did expect more out of him uh, defensively, but, you know, I didn't really expect a whole out of him out of him offensively. And he actually did some things offensively, um, you know, after I've been watching him hit, you know, 230 and AAA for the last two years, you know, uh, in uh, 2019 and 18, you know, just not yeah, really yeah just not, not a whole <laughs> lot happened and uh you know i was uh pleasantly surprised that he even did have like those uh you know a couple of those rather uh nice games so um yeah so i mean i'll throw your in there um 
I'll say, uh, yeah, I'll say, uh, I'll say C plus. Um, he had some, he had an amazing, uh, couple of months. And, uh, I think that he, uh, read his own press clippings a little bit too much and, um, kind of, uh, derailed himself, uh, with that whole thing. And then, uh, when it was time to make adjustments, um, and, uh, things didn't quite go the way it was supposed to go, uh, there were rumors of, uh, disciplinary issues with, uh, not showing up on time and, uh, among other things. And, uh, he let himself down. So, uh, as far as the catcher goes though, you know. Before I say anything on on behalf of your mean, can I just get that? Can I get a can I get a TLR? Uh, oh sure. Animation. Yeah. Because you say uh, he let himself down. He uh, he didn't make his adjustments, but that guy right there running across your screen, I think that guy made the adjustment for him uh, by uh, poo pooing all over a monster bomb off of a you know a guy who shouldn't have been pitching in that situation whatsoever in a game that was well in hand. Whatever. Let the kid do his thing he'd been doing for the first month and a half of the season. I give Sebi a C plus. You're mean? Because I'm sorry, you're mean. Wow. Yeah, I give your mean a C plus just because of the excitement that he produced for us in that first month and a half of the season. Uh maybe some of the most exciting moments of the season. So I gotta go at least above I'm gonna go just above average for him. If C is average, I'm going C plus just to give him that little bump. Okay, but and now I'm rate him as a catcher. <laughs> B minus. <laughs> uh what? <laughs> uh, F plus. I'd okay. say F plus as a catcher. All right. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> the guy was a hero for the first half of the hey, season. Hey, you know I'm not. Yeah, his, no, his bat was great. His bat was great, but uh, on defense. Good Lord. Oh, defensively, defensively, they they could have put him out there with, uh, you know, I don't know, a, a, a basketball backboard behind him and a knuckleball uh, glove. They, they could have gave him. They could have gave him the, the biggest mitt in the world. It would have yeah. done him any good. Yeah. So. Uh, Xavier, where are you at? Uh for his grade, I was just looking at something. One sec. Oh, he did play two games. Um, as the hitter, I would also give him the uh, C plus B minus just because, just for that month. Uh, if we include all the months that are, I mean, for the overall hitting was C plus. Uh, but as the catcher, not even enough. Maybe just uh, incomplete. Not not enough there for me. Uh, like it's bad, but it was pretty conclusive. Not, not Pretty, oh. pretty conclusive. I don't, I don't, there wasn't a whole big sample I, size I, there. Yeah, I, just, I don't. I don't need very many innings of that to to know that uh, that's an F plus. Being being kind. Uh, and that I think it's a little bit about with both of what you said. I think when it came down to it, uh, I think he's a grown a grown man. He's twenty eight, twenty nine years old. So a little bit falls on him with what happened. Uh, I, I'm, I'm. I don't put the full blame on Tony because of him, uh, your mean being an older guy. But at the same time, you got to recognize what, what what the game is like right now. 
and if he's one of your better players and the confidence is there, why do something that shakes it up? So that was pretty disappointing. It's unfortunate how it turned out, but towards the end, it was a lot was your mean on how he was acting up. Yeah, well, it's also yeah, okay. been mentioned he was he he was he was well on his way down when that whole thing happened. So he he was, but he seemed. Now we had gone through this on the podcast slash stream in the past with the number of bats that it takes for uh, major league pitching to catch up to a hot rookie. Yeah, and the number of bats in between where that rookie starts to make an adjustment and come back from that adjustment that the pitching has made on him. Your mean was kind of starting to tick back up there. He was. A bit. He was. He yeah. And, uh, it didn't I, work I, out I, well. I get, the, I get the feeling that they might have pulled the trigger on him a little too quick. And I yeah. think, uh, you know, some of the things you mentioned, uh, as far as you know, maybe his his attitude uh, and his showing up late or not showing up at all the team meetings and late for practices and you know whatever it may be. I think all that plays a big part in that. But uh, you know. The other, the only other thing I want to say is, and I, I'm with you, Xavier. I'm not putting all of that on on Tony Larusa. I'm putting part of it on Tony Larusa. Here he is again. Hey, there's TLR. <laughs> Go get him, Tony. Uh, F around and find out, man. F around and find out. <laughs> <laughs> it's that run right there. Um, but you know, I I I just want to say that it speaks a lot to me when you have these players on this White Sox team who speak highly of Tony LaRusa day in and day out, he's their manager. He's a great guy. He's a great coach. He's a great baseball mind, blah, 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 blah. And then when he does this thing with your, he throws your mean under the bus, those same players came to your means rescue. Yeah. So uh, I have to say that there there's, you know, he's got to shoulder some of that. I'm not saying all of it, but he's yep. got to shoulder part of the blame. Yep. That's fine. I, I got no issues with that. Um, so let's move on to uh, the Cuban god of walks, one hey. Yasmani Grandal. Um, I I can't give him anything under an A. Uh, this the whole thing what do you that mean? he, he sucks. He sucks. Yeah, oh man. Uh, the the amount of fighting done over that man this season alone. Uh, is enough to make me dig in my heels about this. But uh, the, despite destroying his knee, still comes out to put on that performance and just the insane stat lines that he put up this season when he's running around on one stinking leg. Um. Still catching. Yeah, I mean, a lot of folks don't insane. realize that he played through that pain long before they shut him down. Yeah. Then they shut him down. He went and had knee surgery, then came back and got better. Insane. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, one of the things that uh, people love to detract from him about is uh, his pitch calling. Um, the code of-, of it comes from the dugout. Yeah, well, I mean, he he also he uses Codify, and Giolito uses Codify. They're using the same database to select what they're doing out there. The failure to produce by the pitcher is 
not always the fault of the catcher. Sometimes the pitchers do not do what they're intending to do, like throw a belt-high fastball. Yasmani Grandal is not calling for a belt-high fastball. He's calling for a chest-high fastball. If the ball comes in belt level and it gets hit 500 feet, that's not on Yasmani Grandal. Agreed, 1,000. You know, and that's that's one of the big things that uh, people complain about is that he's uh, bad at, you know, calling a game. And uh, that's, to me, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, you know. You know, the one that really kills me is, well, you signed this guy. You gave him one of the largest contracts in team history. And he doesn't hit. No, but you know what? He was an on-base machine. Well, I don't want to see him walk. He gets paid to swing the bat. No, he gets paid to get on base. He gets paid to get on base. Getting on base extends innings. It brings up other hitters. It puts pressure on pitchers. Puts pressure on defenses. He did his job. Yep. Long before he was hitting monster bombs, like every other bat or every third of bat, it seemed like for a while there. Yeah. He was on base. And that's all that matters. You can. He was batting below the Mendoza line. Yeah, but you know what? He had a higher on-base percentage than anybody on the team <laughs> at that time, <laughs> including the guys that you insane, are, are stroking. Yeah, you're you're stroking these guys off that are. Well, Jose Abreu's got seventy RBIs already, and he's doing this and that. Where's Yasmani Grandal? Yasmani yeah, Grandal's on base when Jose Abreu's hitting these dingers and getting them them RBIs. Well, maybe not. You know, he's usually, you know, somewhere behind him in the well, yeah, but on, re- on the day, really. Regardless, way, I mean, he was producing. He was doing what he was supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, and the thing he is, is that when you can't drive on your legs, swinging for power is difficult. So the fact that that was not going on, and he was still out there working with a knee that needed to have surgery and then came back was better. And then after the season was done, immediately had surgery the next day. That should tell you what kind of a guy Yasmani is. And if you are one of the people that is slagging Yasmani Grandal, tell me you don't know baseball without telling me you don't know baseball. Right. Exactly. So, uh, Xavier, what you think? Also, in a, uh, as you guys said, he did everything he was, was here to do. He caught pretty uh, pretty well. He he got on base. He eventually drove in runs. He scored runs. He hit for power. Uh, his walk, he saw several near-career near career highs. Um, home run percentage was near-career near high. Strikeouts were, strikeout percentage was near-career, like, best. Uh, walking, same. Uh, his hard hit percentage was his his best ever. So uh, he he made the adjustments and to do it basically on one leg is incredible. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, so uh, overall, I'd say that the uh, the catching position is probably a B. Um, just because uh, Yaz was injured and gone for surgery, and uh, we had to uh, 
watch a lot of uh, Sebi and Zach Collins, which was not uh, not the you mean endure, ideal situation. I think is the word you're looking that's, for. Yeah, that's I. <laughs> hey, man, I was trying. To, I was trying to be polite. Um, so right, right. Mo- moving on, uh, the front office slash uh, managerial team. Um, so uh, the additions <laughs> of uh, Jerry Naren and uh, Miguel Cairo and um, um, Shelly Duncan. Uh, how do you guys feel about those uh, about those additions? Do you feel that it was uh, a success, or I mean, because I, 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 you know, realistically. You've got TLRs at the helm of all that stuff, and um, how how can you really quantify what any of those guys are doing when you see uh, Matt Foster out on the mound in Seattle being left to die? And uh, you know, well, in situations like that, I got to think that so- those guys have to take at least some of the blame because yeah. They've got to be in Tony's ear, uh, and maybe they were. We don't really know. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, for sure. And, but to not have uh, anybody know, warming up—that's that's, that's right. the thing, you know. Now here's the thing, though: we can take a look at what they've done in the past, and we can say that uh, you know their careers kind of speak for themselves, as opposed to some of the staff that we've had here on the South Side the, over the past few years and uh i would have to say that pretty much it's an upgrade all the way around in my personal opinion whether or not we saw results from that this this past season or not is a t- completely different story but uh you know we know shelly duncan uh what he's been able to do and uh he's got some you know we can give him accolades all day for his past performances other places uh we know what his dad was uh capable of and uh you know, I got to think that uh, he's probably learned a lot from that. So uh, I would say that, uh, you know, I would like to give these guys another season to see where that goes without actually giving them a grade. Yeah. I just feel like it's an upgrade uh, all the way around. Jerry and Aaron, you know, we, we talked about it earlier in the show. Development of catchers in the White Sox organization has not been great. Yeah. For all many, many, it seems like eons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, I think maybe another year under his belt working with uh, some of these guys that you know he might have an opportunity to work with uh, outside of Yasmani Grandal. Uh, I'd rather see how that goes in another season or two. But uh, again, upgrade. yeah, yeah, that's I for, for him. Um, you also have to judge him based on the talent he has to work with as well. Right. And right. if uh, you know, we we we've seen you know. Yasmani got a lot better when he was in Milwaukee with him. Miguel Olivo got better again with him. Um, he has done, and everybody that's worked with the guy has raved about what he's done for them defensively. So I can't say that that was, uh, I, I can't say that anything about that is a negative. Um, the, the major issues I have are is that I feel that the team got fen- fundamentally worse defensively. Um, you know, just things like missing cutoff men and simple things that I felt were better under uh, Renteria than they were this year with TLR and Cairo. 
And I feel that that is something that needs to be addressed. Um, now, you know, whether or not, you know, not having Brian Goodwin on the team anymore will certainly help that uh, missing cutoff men thing because that guy loved to play hero ball out in uh, right field. Um, but uh, that that's one issue I have with the uh, with the staff. And also, you know, as far as Shelly Duncan goes, is that, you know, he is f- funneling information to, uh, to TLR. Now, is he funneling him the correct information, or is TLR even paying attention to any of that information? That I don't know. That's that's one of those things where, you know, I agree with you, is that you kind of have to, we have to kind of watch it over a little while and see what, uh, how the team progresses in year two and see how comfortable now, he gets. About, the thing about Shelly Duncan is, you know, like I, I mentioned his dad, we all know his dad was a, was a heck of a pitcher and has been a pitching coach for, you know, a few years since then. And, and has done, you know, some pretty good things throughout his uh, baseball career, both as a, a player and a coach. Shelly, on the other hand, was a position player. He's a fat outfielder at first base on, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I think and so. he's only yeah. 42. He's only 42 years old. His, his coaching experience is still kind of on the limited side, but, uh, you know, I kind of have to agree with you. If if uh, he's being looked at that way by a Mister Larusa, how much of the information is he being uh, kind of pushed aside on? And, yeah, and I don't know if, if Tony's really given him the uh, benefit of the doubt. So uh, again, though, these are things we're talking. We're, we're kind of just speculating on yep. what might be going on behind closed doors, and we don't really know, but. You know, like I said, I'd rather give him, you know, another season at least before I kind of, you know, put him in one category or another. You know what I mean? Um, Jerry, uh, sorry, uh, Frank Menachino. Um, lots of people complained about him and the uh, the ground ball rate. Um, now I know that he said that he would rather see uh, everybody hit uh, three hundred and hit less home runs. Um. But, uh, you know, as we have talked about before on, on here that uh, the White Sox offense um, did put up some really nice numbers as far as total offense goes uh, for the White Sox. But one thing that we also harped on a lot is that they would go dormant for a few days and uh, not do a whole lot. Um, again, one of those things that uh, people complain about hitting coaches, uh, you know, fire Greg Walker, fire Todd, you know, Todd Steven Steverson. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, like just, yeah, it's just, I, I, at this point, you know, that some of those guys are still hitting the ball. And uh, Luis Robert, uh, when he came back from injury, was hitting the crap out of the ball. And uh, Yasmani Grandal's hitting the ball very well. And, you know, Jose Abreu had a couple of months of some of the best ball, baseball he's ever played, and um, to he had a couple of months of some of the worst too. He, yeah, he absolutely did, and that's the that's the thing is that uh, you know how much of that uh, falls on his shoulders, how much of it falls on the players when we know that uh, you know Jose Abreu has those uh, you know those uh, June and Julys that are generally pretty rough, and then he comes out and he's August Jose Abreu and crushes the ball. And hits the ball everywhere. Uh, how much is to blame? Uh, how much is to, you know, credit? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's difficult to uh, to kind of 
ascertain whether it's uh, player performance or the coach, uh, you know, maybe changing too many things. We, it's it's difficult to say. Yep. Um, but you kind of want to, like you, you mentioned some, uh, you mentioned some names past, like Greg Walker and, and Todd Steverson. Uh, I think we have seen a little bit more level of consistency since uh, Frank Minichino. Yeah. Is, uh, as far as I like mean, uh, bat it, to ball, probably. And they have been inconsistently consistent as well, too, yeah. or consistently, consistently inconsistent is what I'm trying to say. This past season, uh, you know, we saw the offensive outbursts that were just awesome to watch. And then we saw the absolute deadness for what seemed like eternity sometimes, uh, especially in, in, you know, series that you hoped the White Sox would come away with two out of three, three out of four, and it didn't quite work out that way. So, I mean, again, it's some of that's got to fall on Frank, but uh, how much is is difficult to say. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I, I I I'm perfectly fine with not giving a grade and just uh, making those you know those uh, observations as far as that goes. Uh, one last thing to uh, bring up is the uh, the front office and the trades that were made, and uh, just the uh, the general building of the team. Um, now Cesar Hernandez, uh, that was an F, um, Oof, yeah. it looked like it might be something and, uh, you know, with no Nick Madrigal, uh, him, uh, getting injured again, um, you, you had to do something and then he was traded anyway for, uh, Kimbrel, which that trade also funneled and, uh, also not worth, uh, not worth a whole lot, um. I did a uh, a quick assessment of uh, the war and the estimated war of what would have happened had they been good, and uh, essentially, um, it more or less ended up tied uh, as far as as far as that whole thing went. Is that the uh, the war that C- Craig Kimbrell would have had had he done what he was doing with the Cubs and uh, the uh, what. Cesar Hernandez would have done with the Indians versus what he did with the White Sox had they been the same, you know, in both situations that Kimbrell would have generated just about as much war as Cesar Hernandez and they both uh, actually a little bit more and they both funneled. So it basically ended up being uh, a wash on which trade was worse. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, so both ups. yeah, I mean, I've heard things about, uh, about you know reasons why Madrigal was traded other than performance, I've heard a couple of rumors. I didn't you know I, I haven't brought them up in here, and you know it's not one of those things that uh, no mudslinging is needed. You know, um, I thought he was a good second, you know, like a a pretty decent second baseman. He had uh, room to grow, and I think that he probably will do that. And I think that that's going to end up being a uh, one of those trades that you're not going to be uh, necessarily happy yeah. with, but. Now, well, it's difficult to be happy with it after seeing what Kimball did. Yeah. Uh, there's just no way to be happy with it. But the other side of that coin is is when Nick Madrigal can prove that he can stay healthy long enough to be uh, a real threat anywhere in yep. baseball, it's neither here nor there for me. So, Yep, 100%. Uh, one other positive to add on to this uh, before – before you talk there, quick, Savior, is that we also have to remember that uh, Lance Lynn did get extended. So that is a plus uh, move, in my, in my opinion. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, you were going to say, Xavier? 
Yeah, I would. I, I'm. I would lean towards giving them a a, a higher grade just because I. Th- it's a ch- like. It's hard to decide how you're looking at it because they went out and answered uh, areas that they had issues with and needed a boost. Both those players that they brought in, um, they also got Tapera, who was great this year for them. Uh, yep. All three of those main guys, they they answered needs, and if they would have stayed the course, would have been huge, and they would have gone probably farther uh, than they did. But unfortunately, uh, they both hit a brick wall, like bad. Like they dropped off a ton. So it's hard to give them like a really the trade itself how it worked out this year probably would be enough just because of the, the result but going out there and pulling those guys in and making it happen it's i would give a, a higher grade on that end uh because of them answering a need and it's not something we're, we're used to seeing yeah i guess uh in my opinion the uh the Rickon uh, aspect of things, uh, I probably give him a C um, because I know that he's got budgetary constraints that are uh, far beyond ridiculous, and uh, I don't know how much. This is the always the issue with the front office. You don't know who's making what decisions. That Adam Eaton was brought back, and that was a bad idea. And uh, but I will say that uh, you know it's a pair. Of, deal ended up being great and you didn't really end up giving up a huge uh haul for him but then you know there's the other trades as well and uh you know he was trying to make things happen and i and i get that and uh at the time i didn't think that it was a that the kimbrel trade was a bad trade um it seemed like a win now move and, and, and i don't think anybody did out. you know yeah. you look at the first half that kimbrel had for the cubs and you think wow they just made a huge move to upgrade the bullpen it didn't work out that way so i see xavier's point uh you know the fact that they actually went out and tried to do something and at the time those needs looked like they were being filled adequately uh it just didn't work out so i'll give them points for that too yep uh and if we're if we're just talking about mid-season moves right now yeah uh but the results either way we're still maybe a a d minus because of tapera uh, but outside of Tapera, you know, there really wasn't much to say about the midseason moves. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that Lance Lynn was extended. We also ended up, uh, you know, in the offseason getting the reliever of the year yep. in Liam Hendricks. Yep. So, true. You know, obviously an A plus on that one. Yep. Uh, we talked about it extensively early on, you and I did, uh, before the season started. And, uh, you know, feel like the two of us prognosticated pretty well looking at his peripherals and saying that uh you know chances are he's going to give up a few more dingers than he has over the last three or four years because he hasn't done it a lot no matter where he pitched whether it was at home in oakland coliseum or on the road but uh we just kind of knew that you know when you're going to get more opportunities in uh, a park like uh cell it's going to happen but aside from those you know those dingers guy was solid all season long brought an energy to the team that uh i think really kind of helped keep that bench going when things weren't always going well and uh you know that's an a plus in my book uh adam eaton obviously (laughs) 
Again, you and I talked about him extensively in the offseason when that trade happened. Yeah. And I feel like we prognosticated that one very well, too, because uh, we said if he stays healthy, there's a chance he can be a benefit. We saw very early on that he was not going to stay healthy. It was like in the first or second week of the season, this guy's running into walls, trying to catch balls that are in the netting. Yeah. Uh, knock it off, dude. But, you know. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, uh, overall, I just say C because I don't know what, uh, you know, we saw that we knew that the budget was what the budget was. Some good things got done. Some bad things got done. Some things that looked like they were going to be promising didn't end up working out, uh, you know, in uh, as far as the uh, Kimbrel trade goes. Um, I think uh, Nick Hostetler on the uh, – as far as that goes, I think he did a a, a nice job uh, with the uh, pro player acquisition type stuff. Um, I don't know how much of the stuff he did for the minor league side of things, um, as far as like some of the pickups that went on down there. But there were some really big, uh, nice pickups down there, and uh, Tyler Nesloni uh, did a really nice job. And um, there was a couple of things down, you know, a couple of stories down there for like uh, pickup guys that uh, ended up going well, and. Um, you know, Hamilton and uh, Brian Goodwin, despite the fact that he can't hit a, hut, a cutoff guy to save his life, um, he did have some uh, some big hits and did some things. And, uh, you know, there's some nice stuff to, to see as far as, uh, you know, some of the lower pickups that were made that normally when I would watch a White Sox team and they would pick somebody up, that guy would fall flat on their face. And these guys did anything but that, which, you know, how much is attributed to TLR putting people in the right place at the right time, blah, blah, blah. We've had this conversation. Um, regardless, they, they were nice we're pickups. Gonna, if we're going to hold TLR uh, accountable for the mistakes, uh, at least partially, we got to give him some credit partially yep. as well because – uh, again, you know, it just would be unfair to not give him some sort of, uh, some sort of doing in that, you know, it was Absolutely. his doing in those situations yep. and we saw it all year long. There was a lot of that next guy up for the white Sox. next guy up, next guy up, next yep. guy up where they were bitten by the injury bug pretty hard. And, uh, every guy that seemed to step up, stepped up quite well. So, uh, and again, you know, I'll give, uh, I'll give credit to hot settler on that. I will also, you know, begrudgingly give a little bit of uh, give a little bit of a uh, uh, pat on the back to uh, TLR in that situation as well. Just yep. be, you know, when you're the head of the uh, you're the head of the beast, you you have to take some uh, some of that. So. Yeah, you get some you get some of the credit, and you take some of the blame. That's the way it goes. Um, so I'm going to let you guys out of here because it's real late. Uh, yeah. Thanks for sticking with me, guys. Um, I'm gonna replace. I'm, I'm gonna put this one out as a uh, two piece and a biscuit, um, and s- splice it up into uh, CBA stuff and uh, and then the uh, the grade stuff in a in a separate one. Um, so that way we've got uh, two different things, and I'm not releasing uh, seven and a half hours of content here. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. So oh, though I, I enjoyed it. I actually yeah. No. Was, yep. Normally, I look at the clock and I say, okay, it's time to go, but uh, the conversation was really good tonight, so I thank you both for that. Yeah, I thought it went really well. Uh, thanks for sticking through, and uh, uh, for people that stuck around in chat, appreciate it. Um, no, it's a 
big ask to ask for that much of your time, but uh, we had a good time and uh, we covered a lot of stuff. Um, so um, next week we got some special guests. Uh, we'll be tweeting about that uh, later on this week. Um, it should be a good time next week. So uh, plan on coming in next week as well. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, you can find this uh, anywhere where you find your podcasts. Um, and uh, like I said, we'll be releasing two of them. Um, also, uh, we've seen an influx of content with uh, Dan Victor joining the staff at uh, at White Sox Daily, which has been really nice. He put out a uh, a nice article about uh, Gil Luna Jr. and uh, a nice article that uh, had like a had a six or seven pitchers that are talking about the art of pitching, which is also very interesting. You find that uh, at uh, WhiteSoxDaily.com. Daily White Sox on Twitter. And uh, thanks for coming out and listening, and uh, thanks for watching. Um, I'm Ian Eskridge, and for my co-hosts, Xavier Sanchez and Danny Miller, thanks for hanging out, and have a great night. Thanks. Thanks.